Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, uh, my name is Mark Machado. I'm an old Priorian, and I've been tasked to go and speak to other old Priorians who have been a success in their chosen career field to to find out, to give you guys some insight in how you can go about becoming a success in whatever you decide to do. Today, I'm fortunate to speak to somebody who was a couple of years older than me at school, and um, he has carved out a very successful career for himself in the legal field. His name is Jonathan Patel. Jonathan, thank you for joining me today. Hi, Mark. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm not too bad. So, Jonathan, uh, what? Um, let's start by you kind of telling us your, your exact title, what you do, and how you do it. Sure. So, uh, my name is Jonathan Patel. I'm a former solicitor. I now work at an organization called Aspiring Solicitors, and I am an operations executive there. Okay, so I think the first question is, is what exactly do aspiring solicitors do? So the main thing that we do is work with students who are traditionally from underrepresented groups in the legal profession. So by underrepresented groups, I mean BAME, so that's Black, Asian, Minority, Ethnic, Disabled, or long-term health conditions, LGBT+, or socially mobile. So, for example, they may have gone to a state school comprehensive, be from a low-income family, or have been eligible for free school meals, for example, um, when they were at school. So those groups uh, usually are the most underrepresented in the legal profession, and we work with them to help them to get into the legal industry, as most of the people are outstanding students they just need that additional help to sort of level the playing field and to um have an opportunity to work in the in their dream career brilliant uh before you ended up working at aspiring solicitors what was your kind of route what, what's been your kind of career trajectory so far what how did you end up there uh probably quite an unusual route to be honest with you so um, would you like me to start from school? Yes, please. Yeah, from, from leaving school, or even you know, let's let's start from kind of what A levels you did. Sure. So, um, for A levels, I did history, economics, and English. I liked all three subjects, uh, but I was particularly strong at history. Did very well at it, and it was something I was really interested in. Uh, going forward, in terms of what I wanted to do at university, I was quite unsure. So, um, I went down the traditional sort of arts route, and I thought it would come to me when I was at university. Um, studying history sort of leads you to, I mean, I'm sure there's several careers that you can get out of it, but predominantly 
traditionally to a career in either law, journalism, or possibly teaching. I think most people in my course would have gone on to one of those three professions, or possibly something else like um, being an archivist or something something like that. Um, I finished my degree and wanted to go on and um, consider what the next route was. And there was an option called a a graduate uh, diploma in law, which is a conversion course that you can complete once you have already done an undergraduate career, sorry, an undergraduate degree. So because I'd done the uh, history degree, I was able to do a one-year conversion course to law. After that, you have to complete a legal practice course, and then you can start to do your training contract which is a job for two years sponsored by a law firm. So when I was doing mine, usually you can get sponsorship from a law firm from either your final year as a law student or before you start your um, graduate diploma in law. But unfortunately, I hadn't obtained one at the time and I gambled on myself and self-funded both of those, the graduate diploma in law and the legal practice course on the basis that I thought I would get a training contract wow. um, every every year that went, went on. But, and very relevant to where we are now, there was actually the major recession in 2008, just as I was finishing. So uh, not a great time to be finishing oh, the legal gosh. practice course, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. um, but what I did after that was um, to gain some paralegal experience. Um, I had no CV to speak of in terms of um, it's one of those unusual positions. In order to get a job as a paralegal, you need to have experience. But how do you get the experience without having a job? It's one of those catch-22 situations. So I managed to get some um, experience working for a journalist where I can build up my um, legal CV. He was a legal journalist and he worked with several law firms, He published a magazine. So I was able to show that I had been involved in the legal industry to an extent, sent out various multiple CVs to um, top firms. And uh, during the recession, different different industries become particularly, um, they become busier at the time. So litigation, yeah. it becomes particularly busy uh, in law, whereas something like commercial property it might decline slightly. What, so because, can I just stop you there? What exactly yeah. is litigation? So litigation is, for example, if there's a dispute between two parties yeah. and they can't come to a settlement and they follow it down the commercial legal route. So um, if they follow that down through court proceedings, they will instigate a claim against the other party. So, for example, um, if there's a dispute, if it can be monetary, it could be regarding a contract that's not been you know, completed. And that's essentially what litigation is. There's various different forms of it. So you could have your high court litigation or you could have arbitration where the parties are trying to come to you know, a conclusion or a decision about what should essentially have happened if things had continued as normal. Say, for example, the party had completed the contract as agreed. Okay, brilliant. Right, so you 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 finished. It's two thousand and eight. You're you're working as a paralegal for a uh, a legal journalist, and then you're writing off to all these industries. So what happens from there? So uh, the journalist role was uh, something I was doing in my. Um, that was what I was reading as as a full time job at that stage. It was unpaid at the time because um, I just needed to get in some legal experience, but I used that. 
unpaid experience um, to get my paralegal job, which was paid at a law firm at the time, which was about four months later, I think. Okay. Um, so, so how did you, were you just fortunate that, you know, your, your family home was quite close to where you needed to work and stuff like that. So you didn't need a huge amount of money, which meant you could be unpaid, right? Exactly that. So um, I was still living at home, which was in Harrow. And I was working on the basis that the job was essentially, um, it seemed to be a remnants of, of what's happening at the moment where I could work from home. So all I needed was to use the family computer. I had minimal costs. I think the only costs I had was the odd time that I was going to law firms, and I had to pay um, a travel card. I think it was. Uh, I, I think I was still a student basically at that stage, so it was. Um, it wasn't too expensive to travel in and out of the city. Okay, so tell us about getting your first kind of training contract. So, like I said, a number of people got the sponsorship for prior to their GDL, so while they were either while they were still at university or still while they were studying. I hadn't got mine. Um, it was 2008. What actually happened was that firms were deferring students from their training contract for another year or they were simply not offering as many as they previously had. So I thought the only way that I could get a training contract was to gain more and more experience as a paralegal. So I ended up working uh, for two years at a, a large law firm, um, which was great. We were sort of starting to come out of the recession then. I moved to an American law firm to continue as a paralegal. It was great financially. It was very lucrative because um, there was always work to be done in um, arbitration. And I ended up obtaining a training contract, I think, about a year into that um, into that role and uh, due to the nature of how it works, I was due to start my training contract the following year. So I had to continue working as a paralegal, but on the basis that a training contract was ready for me in 2012. Wow. So, so four, years, four years of paralegals, quite, quite a long time, to be honest with you. Yeah, did you ever lose faith? Did you think maybe it's just not going to happen for me? Um, several times, several times. I thought, Ability-wise, I thought I was good enough for it. I knew from colleagues and friends and um, just in terms of the, the work that I was producing that I thought I was good enough to do it. I, I, was, you know, I could see other trainees at the law firms I was working at. I didn't think there was any difference between you know, them and me. But the longer I didn't have a training contract, the further away from it I thought I was, I was, I was getting because I thought by now, I would have expected to have one. Maybe firms would ask the same question. I, I sort of self-doubted a little bit, but I kept applying on the basis that I thought if I could just get a, a shot, maybe I could prove myself. And that was that was what was keeping me going. Wow, that's quite inspirational. Um, so, so what happens once you got your contract? Then, then where are you? What, what's your kind of next step from that? So, I was working at a West End law firm. Uh, it was really interesting because I had so much paralegal experience and office experience. I was really able to hit the ground running. You know, I didn't need to learn about office politics or how to use, you know, Outlook and Word. I could really just focus on the actual, um, the legal aspect of what I was do what I was doing. Um, anything I was asking the, the partners or my supervisor for was legally relevant. It was something I didn't understand. Rather than, you know 
how do I format this document properly or something that was yeah, you know, yeah. basic stuff. So that in itself helped me. Um, another thing that was great was because there was only two trainees taken each year because it was a smaller law firm, it meant that you got loads of experience, you know, firsthand. You'd go straight into it and rather than sort of the number of people being above you and just doing um, basic roles, I was actually given quite a lot of responsibility at the beginning. And the more you can impress, um, the more you get given. So um, towards the end of your training contract, you're actually running a number of your own files, which in itself is, is really interesting and great experience. And obviously, you've got a supervisor and a partner, if they're not the same person, who who is in charge of each case or each file that you can go to if you have any questions. But, you know, it was great to have that early opportunity. So young in my, um, also, so inexperienced in my career, even though technically I probably wasn't, didn't consider myself to be that young because I had done the, uh, the four-year, uh, four years paralegal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you felt like you had the experience to be able to to, to pull it off. You were fully confident in, in yourself at that point. Yeah, brilliant. So, how long do you stay there, and then what's your kind of next move? You, you know, career move after that. So, uh, during the training contract, I actually did a you call it a seat in each department. So you stay in each different department for six months. So I'd worked in licensing for my first six months, litigation for my second, and then property for my third, and a commercial and corporate seat in my uh, was my final seat. But I had done property in my third seat, and it had gone really well. And they asked me, did I actually want to qualify early? And they were basically offering me the job there and then. Wow. I felt that I was ready for it because I'd done so much paralegal experience, but I had never done corporate and commercial uh, as a as a seat. And I thought, I was thinking long-term in my career. I'm actually surprised I was uh, thinking so far ahead in terms of my future. And I just thought six months isn't really going to make that much of a difference in terms of I've already waited four years really to get here. Yeah, um, I wanted to gain some experience there just in case that was the type of thing that I wanted to go into. So I thought, if they're going to keep the job open for me, then I'll do the seat, gain some experience, see what it's like to work as a corporate lawyer, uh, learn the skills that I, I felt I would need going forward, and just have the opportunity to gain some experience in a different area of law rather than just completely focusing on the ones I'd already done. So I... Um, once I finished my training contract, they offered me the job as a property solicitor, I was working there for about a year and the firm merged with another one, um, which is quite common in the in the legal industry where certain firms merge each other to create sort of a larger firm, more clients or to increase their turnover really. Yeah. So so what happens then? Is that good for your career at that point or was it not? Um it was it was mixed from a personal perspective. I was just about to have my first child, so I kind of wanted uh, a bit of stability, to be honest with you, yeah. rather than uh, a merger whereby I was going to be moving to a different building, new colleagues, and everything up in the air. From a professional capacity, it was obviously an opportunity to do more work, to work for a larger organisation. 
One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Um, to work for a large firm, sorry, and to gain experience working with other people. So it was, you know, there were there were pros and cons to both of it, really. Um, a number of the people that I had done my training contract with, who were the same level as me in terms of my friends, they were staying on, but a lot of the senior people moved to different law firms. So that in itself was a challenge because you have to sort of reinvent yourself and start showing people who you who you are in the new law firm you know, that they weren't aware of you they'd come from different firms so it was trying to get exposure to them as well so that in itself was a challenge i stayed on for a few months but the work that i was doing um i always wanted to move to more commercial property rather than um a mixture of residential and commercial property and I found a law firm that was um, offering that and it was again another West End firm and I worked there for two years as a um, as commercial property solicitor. So after those two years are up is that the point when you decide that you want to you know do something that's kind of within your profession or within within the legal fields but not you know not practicing day to day? Is that when you made the shift to... Yeah, it's a slightly unusual one, really. Um, when I was doing the legal practice course back in 2007 to 2008, one of my uh, colleagues who had gone on to forge a very successful career as a lawyer had actually set up aspiring solicitors in 2014, whereby he was helping people apply to uh, apply for legal jobs and to get into the legal profession alongside his day-to-day roles as a solicitor. And I was uh, friends with him on Facebook and uh, LinkedIn, and I'd seen him promoting this since its real inception in 2014, um, so for the last four years at this stage. And it just looked really interesting in terms of what he was doing. I felt the energy and enthusiasm um he was generating from it was just incredible reading through some of the stories but i hadn't completely focused on it because i was obviously forging my own career as a solicitor which was different to what he was doing 
but I had been thinking at the time I wanted to try something different, possibly go in-house, you know, work for one client rather than um, work as a solicitor in private practice. And I got into contact with this, uh, with my colleague and uh, with my friend and asked him, you know, spoke to him about what he was doing and how he found his role. And he told me just how much he enjoyed helping people get into the industry and how much he not regretted, but he wished he had something like that when um, when he was applying because he just yeah. didn't have that information. And I felt that was exactly the same case for me. So I spoke to him at length about this and thinking about my career, what I wanted to do, what were my goals, what were my objectives long term, and asked him would there be an opportunity to work there. And I thought if I was going to move and sort of change sort of the area that I was working in or to try and a new sort of type of role that I would need to sort of do it now rather than or eight area qualified solicitor, it would be hard to say leave the legal profession to do something else and then if it didn't work out to come back to law. I thought the 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 time that I was at in terms of three years qualified, if I left for a couple of months, it would have been fine to come back. Um if things hadn't worked out. But that was sort of my backup plan if um if i didn't enjoy what i was doing or if i felt that you know i was more tuned to continue in the um in the legal industry where you, you we know where you're at now um hmm. you help you know people who who are trying to get into your industry get into your industry yeah. one of the one of the things that you know you you kind of touched upon there is how important it is to to know other people within your industry what would you say how you know how important is it to have mentors in the field that you're trying to get into and how, how do people go about finding those mentors? Yeah, I think it's really important. I think being able to have a solid answer about why it is you want to work as a lawyer would obviously come from some experience that you have. So just by saying I'm interested in law because, you know, there's there's an international element to it or it's a fast-paced environment or just cliches that people can often use about it is great but you really want to be able to demonstrate that you've gone above and beyond and show that you have some actual insight to the profession so if you say i spoke to a solicitor who worked at you know for example the law firm that you want to apply to and built up a rapport with him asked him what his day was like asked um Asked him what he did in terms of you know, how he joined that, why he joined that firm, you know, wh- what was it about them that made them stand out compared to their competitors. I think that you're immediately showing that you've you know gone out, you know, basically gone outside the box, thought outside the box in terms of what you want to do in terms of your career, and you found out about that specific firm rather than just using the internet. You've actually gone and spoken to someone who knows what it's like, who's give, who's got an actual insight to it. When I started, finding someone like that was was near on impossible. Um, I probably didn't have the confidence to just speculatively cold call someone. Yeah, um, I don't think many people would would do that. I don't know how, if that if people would appreciate that either. So what we offered at Aspiring Solicitors was a professional ambassador network, which was just a we've got 650 professionals on there, legal professionals who all believe in what we do. A number of them had come through aspiring solicitors in the first place. 
and they are willing to answer any questions that our members have about the legal industry. So, for example, you could say um, you could find someone on there who's a current trainee solicitor and you can just get in touch with them and you could find out if they have the same, they list their diversity characteristics as well on their profile page. So you could say, look, I noticed that you um, went to a non-Russell group university. What was it about your application that you could suggest um, that made it stronger and more interesting to read? And how did you sort of sell yourself um, better coming from a non-Russell group university when it is perceived that the majority of people who work in the profession go to Russell group um, universities, whether that's right or wrong? But people are able to you know, respond to you and tell you exactly what they did. And just to basically give you that confidence and advice to help you in your career and to essentially get into the profession, one of the tips and the hints that they have in terms of what they did to get into the profession so you could follow suit, really. Okay, brilliant. Uh, Jonathan, if you could go back and you know have a chat with your 18-year-old old self just as you were leaving uh, St. Benedict's, what advice would you give to yourself at that moment? Well, it's a good question. I think at that stage, it would be to, um, to do as much research as I possibly can about the profession. So... When I went to university, you were probably in the same position as me. You just focus on um, just getting through your course, you know, yeah. day by day, year by year. But you don't really think of how, you don't appreciate how much time you have as like a first year undergraduate. So there's so many things that you can get involved with and so many societies and things that, um, that where you can gain um, positions of responsibility and extracurricular things and just really show that you're a well-rounded person. I think most people who co who go to university, they've obviously done well academically, but it's to show that you have, you know, a wider interest. For me, my interests were, you know, football, music, and um, say, for example, films, but they're not, it's very hard to sort of quantify what you do in those type of things, unless yeah. you, for example, are, a professional footballer unless you are actually working as a film critic you can't really say i like watching films it doesn't really you know give enough show enough about yourself and, and also it, everybody likes watching films as well right that's that's it exactly so if you go to an interview um a partner won't really ask you those questions you know they'll they'll try and find things that are unique to yourself so if you have quite a unique hobby say for example you're into rock climbing or even like marathon running something unusual that people could ask a follow-up question to that in itself is would separate you from so many other people so i think if i could go back and advise myself it would be to do more unique hobbies more unique interests and actually gain some experience in those particular fields i mean gaining work experience is great and that would have shown that i had um you know commitment to the legal industry but that in itself I'm, i'd be relying on other people to essentially have employed me or taken a chance on me so it's, it's outside my control whereas if i had done things where i got more involved in different societies and uh, attended say for example law firm events uh, which were 
obviously harder at the time when I was 18. But to yeah. do things like that, to really show demonstration of my interest in the industry, I think that would have helped me and um, would have gone on to show my commitment to law. And you know, possibly, you know, obviously, again, I would have probably tried to uh, apply to more training contracts before the recession. That would have really helped. So uh, <laughs> if I had... Uh, if I had more experience in that area, that would that would have um, that would have been the thing for me to to advise myself on, or just to get. I think knowing what I know now yeah. is different. But if I even had more contacts, or I had a way of building up more contacts, I really really felt that that helped me. So, you know, going to our careers fair the bendix careers fairs that we did recently where people were able to speak to professionals i yeah. think having something like that or having contacts where i could actually ask what would have been fairly basic questions at the time but which would have really really helped me in my career in terms of uh, you know, utilizing my time effectively i think that would have been um the best thing that i could have done i i always you know whenever you talk about whenever people talk about talking to professionals in their career i always think about that that lewis hamilton story of when he was obviously you know he's an immensely talented uh formula one driver but when i think when he was about nine or ten years old he was at he won some award for go-karting and he ended mm. up going to the award ceremony and rodden dennis who at the time was the head of mclaren uh was at the ceremony and lewis as a nine or ten year old went up to him and said i want to be a formula one driver and drive for mclaren and it kind of planted, you know, it started the relationship that he would later have with McLaren to get signed up as, I think he was, you know, the youngest person at that time to ever be signed up as he, in, into their young driver program when he was about 12 or 13. But it was that initial conversation he had. I mean, I don't, exp you know, I wouldn't have been able to do, I'd barely be able to do that now, let alone when I was that age. But that, that kind of confidence is amazing, isn't it? When you hear stories like that. Yeah, I think those type of stories, I always look back and I think, even if I'd been in that position, would I have had the confidence to do it? And I, I don't think I would have. Yeah. I think that, is, uh, that in itself, he's an incredible talent. And uh, obviously, like I, like I was saying, that that's such a unique passion to even... Yeah. I mean, he would even be entering go-kart competitions at nine or ten. It wouldn't even been something I would have ever thought of. So to have a, a unique interest, especially something that you're passionate about, I think that that's incredible in itself. Yeah. And if you can find something that you're passionate about at such a young age, um, you know, well done to you because every, if you can ultimately find a career, which is your passion or your hobby, it's never going to feel like work. I know it's a cliche, but that's, that's really how, how things work, work for you yeah. in the future. Because I mean, at that age, people are you know, thinking what, they like playing football for most people that isn't that i i knew i knew very early on i probably the first day i kicked the ball i wasn't going to make a career out of this so um doing something else where you if you can actually follow your passion which is which is unique you can obviously devote your time to it and fully invest in it he's obviously sounded like lewis hamilton completely focused on that and i think he just continued to do competitions and things in the as he was getting older and yeah he sort of became i think he, as you mentioned he was he was really young when everyone knew this this guy was a prodigy and probably going to be the person who he eventually ended up becoming yeah uh jonathan I'll let, I'll let you go but before i let you go how's isolation going how are you finding it um 
it's going okay. It's going okay at the moment. Um, I'm still managing to do some daily exercise and uh, I'm still working as well. So that's keep helping, keeping me focused for you know, the best part of every day, really. Um, I'm trying to stay in touch with people and um, do video conferences and uh, Zoom chats with people. So just staying in touch and you know, fingers crossed we um, will get out of this sooner rather than later. Jonathan Patel, thank you for joining me today and uh, good luck with all your future endeavours. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.